How many of you like to fish? Yeah, it's a good number. A lot of us fish, especially in Michigan where we have all lakes. Most of us, if you've lived here all your life, have grown up doing that. I remember as a small boy, you know, we had docks at our lakes and the places that we grew up and we would usually catch sunfish and bluegill and bring them home and nobody wanted to eat them, but we'd catch them anyway. And then we'd put them in the garden since nobody wanted to eat them. I've had the pleasure in my life to go different places. I've fished in the Pacific Ocean. I've been in northern Canada and places that you can only get to by boat or by plane to fish, and it was always fun. But the problem is, if I had to make a living fishing, I would starve. I am just not that clever like real fishermen are. Or like the guy who was so clever one night as he was walking from the lake with two buckets of fish, he met the game warden. And the game warden said to him, son, do you have a license for those fish? He said, nope. The game warden looked at him, began to get out his book to write a ticket, and he said, but you don't understand, sir. These are pet fish. Pet fish, he said. Yes, you see, every night I bring them down to the lake and I release them and they swim and get exercise. And when I whistle, they come back and jump in the bucket. Really, said the game warden. This I have to see. So they went down to the edge of the shore and he took the buckets and let the fish go and they stood there for a while. And the game warden said, well? The boy said, well, what? He said, well, aren't you going to whistle and call them back? Call what back? The fish. What fish? <laughs> now that's clever. True fishermen are clever, and they know their business. And in our gospel today, those disciples that were on that shore knew their business. They were fishermen by trade. That's what Jesus had called them from. It was their business. Well, at least... Three years ago, it was their business. And there they were on the Sea of Galilee, an area that was known as the place for fishing. In fact, many of the towns had names like that. There was a town named Tarich Ea, which is called the place of salted fish, where fish were prepared and salted to go to Rome, to go to other places throughout the world. Bethsaida was known as the fish town. It's an area where commercial fishing took place, and that was what they knew, and that was what they did. It was the place where Jesus had first called them to follow their profession. They knew what to do. And so hear those words again from the gospel as John lays this out for us on what's taking place this day. He says, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now it might not seem as we hear that that there is a problem here. But there is a problem. You see, in their lives, Jesus is back, but Jesus isn't back in the same way that he was as they followed him three years ago. He comes and he goes. And what they had hoped for, that kingdom restoration, hadn't taken place. 
They expected Jesus to be like David, to establish a throne in Jerusalem, to rule from them. And they expected to be part of that ruling guard that would be there. But it just simply wasn't that way. And their hopes were dashed. And their worlds were turned upside down. And what happens when we feel like that? What happens when our worlds are turned upside down and life just doesn't seem to have the meaning that we would like it to have because of circumstances beyond our control? Well, we kind of gather the troops. We pull in. We turn inward. And we seek the familiar. They seek what they used to do. Go back to what was before. Go back to fishing and the business of fishing. But Jesus isn't about to leave them there. And so we see Jesus on the shore and He calls out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. It's not a strange interchange. I mean, it would be like any of us coming upon people who are fishing somewhere. We would say, as Jesus did, how's the fishing? And they responded, it's lousy. And so he says, have you tried the other side of the boat? Now, there's a little bit of humor in here. Can you imagine professional fishermen, their business, they know what they're doing. And a guy on shore is telling them simply, put the net on the other side of the boat. I'm sure they're like, whatever. But they go ahead and they do it. And John says, when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now realize at this point, there are bells going off in their heads because this has happened before to them. And it happened before with Jesus. Remember the first time as they were fishing on the Sea of Galilee and that same thing had taken place where they had fished all night and caught nothing and Jesus came and told them to throw the net on the other side of the boat and they had a miraculous catch of fish and Peter fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinner. But Jesus called him anyway and all this is going on and suddenly they realize it and John says to Peter, it's the Lord and Peter's overjoyed and he jumps overboard and he swims to shore. And I'm sure when Peter got there, he was excited, he was thrilled to see Jesus again. As I said, Jesus wasn't with them as he had been. He made appearances so every one of those was precious to those disciples. But there's a word that John records in his gospel that's going to do something to Peter. It's going to stop him cold. I want to say something to you about that. You know, a lot of times when I get the chance to cook breakfast for my family or something, you know, there's that smell of bacon that we all love and coffee and pancakes. And sometimes you smell things and they can transport you in your memory to another place and another time. I know whenever I smell those things, I think of being a little kid up in bed waking up on a Saturday morning and my mom cooking that breakfast. It's just that same smell. It takes you back to a place where you were. And smells have the ability to do that, to remind us of something. So hear what John says. He says, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and there were fish on it and some bread. And it's not insignificant that John records this and said they were burning coals. Because the only other place that that word is used in John's gospel is on a night outside of the high priest's court 
When Jesus was on trial and Peter stood at the burning coals and warmed himself and denied Jesus. And I'm sure as soon as that smell hit Peter's nostrils, suddenly there was that endless loop playing through his mind of denying Jesus that he ever knew him. And Peter goes from 90 miles an hour of excitement to see Jesus to zero emotionally. And I'm sure he was crushed at that moment and thought about what he had done. But Jesus isn't going to leave Peter there either. Because there's another verse that we have to look at that wasn't contained in this section today. It's just the next verse, and I want you to see it on the screen. And this is what John recorded. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. So what's going on here with this? Well, if you looked in the title in the Bible, it says the reinstatement of Peter. But there's a whole lot more that's going on here, a whole lot more that has to do with the gospel that we heard today and what took place. Jesus says those words, do you love me more than these? What's he talking about? What does he mean? Do you love me more, Peter, than the other guys sitting here, the other disciples? Does that sound like something that Jesus would do? Does he like to have a contest with his follower? Who loves me more? John loves me more than you do, Peter. Does he like us to compare ourselves with each other in our faith walk and in our love and in how much we love him? Does he often ask us to say, well, who's the greatest? Who loves me the most? No, of course not. When the disciples did that, when they compared themselves to who was the greatest, Jesus stopped them abruptly and said, this is not how we act. That's how the world acts, not you guys. And he took a little child and put it in front of them to say, this is the greatest in the kingdom. So what is Jesus asking Peter? Do you love me more than these? And I'm going to tell you what he's talking about is what was just hauled in, what was just counted by John, the catch of fish, because it's what it represented to them. It represented that they went back to what was before. They had gone off the mission that Jesus had called them to be fishers of men. It meant the death, really, if they stayed there, of the church and its future. Do you love me more, Peter, than giving up on the mission that I called you to? Do you love me more than business as usual? Do you love me more than fishing for a living? Because Peter had denied him and Jesus needed to know, Peter, are you in this game 100%? The mission that I called you to. The mission of the church the single and only purpose that the church exists, to go, to baptize, to make disciples. And it's all about people, and it's not about fish and stuff and other things. It's all about relationships. I want you to see what Martin Luther says about this. He says the following words on the screen. We live on earth for no other purpose than to be helpful to others. Otherwise, it would be best for God to take away our breath and let us die as soon as we are baptized 
and have begun to believe. But he has let us live here in order that we may lead other people to believe, doing for them what he has done for us. Jesus is asking Peter, do you have my heart for this, Peter, for the mission, for people? Peter, stay on mission. Be a leader in this. Forget the life that was before. Go back to what I called you to do. Go back to make disciples, to baptize. Go back to being a fisher of men. You know, they had failed that day. But Jesus brought them back on task. And so it is with us in our lives, in the church, as people of God called on a mission. Do we always stay on task? No, we don't. We get turned around and we get lost and we turn inward and we think we're doing things that are important. And like the disciples, when there's trouble, we turn inward and we want to stay safe and we want to be behind closed walls and we want to become a little country club in a community that no longer reaches. And often we criticize those who do want to go out beyond the church to reach beyond our walls. And we forget, too, why it is we do this. Because it's the mission that Jesus has called us to. And don't lose heart. We're in good company. This is exactly what the disciples did. But what changed them that morning? It was the fact that the risen Christ came and met them and called them back on mission. The risen Christ who brought to them once again hope and life and restoration. And it is the risen Christ who comes among us also. Because He brings to us His forgiveness for our failures, for our denials, for our vision that gets turned inward. And He brings to us encouragement to stay on the mission that He has given to His church. To go, to baptize, to make disciples, to love people because that's the purpose of the church. He comes among us to love what He loves. To go and not remain static. He comes among us to bring us hope and life in His presence. He empowers us once again by His Word, by His Spirit, and by his supper, the risen Christ comes among us also. And he brings us out of the darkness in our lives, out of the gloom that has stopped us and stalled us and turned us away from his purposes for us. And brings us back by his love, by his grace and his forgiveness to be the church, to go beyond our walls to stay on mission, to love people, to give them hope in Him always. That is who our Savior is. That is the one who lives for us and lives among us and empowers us always. Will you pray with me? Jesus, as you brought your disciples back on task that day, so many times, as your church, you have to bring us back. But you do so with your grace and your forgiveness and your love. 
to remind us that you came into this world to love people, to bring them forgiveness and hope and life in your name, and that we who have received these gifts are called on a mission to do the same, to proclaim that wonder to the world. Help us always, Lord, to stay on that task. Encourage us, strengthen us, and turn our eyes always to your cross to see the place where you paid the price for our sin, but to know that by your open tomb you reign and you stand among us today to give us those gifts once again. All of this we ask in your name. Amen.